What up, listener? You've pressed play on the latest edition of the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast, your weekly dip into the world's game being played right here in the Great Lakes State. My name is Robert Kerr, your host, as always, here on the program. Another great episode ahead, two great guest segments. Kind of wrap up, uh, this last weekend was full of great but maybe, I mean, not competitive events, but special soccer events. Uh, we attended uh, one of them, myself and Dan Garnell. We were out at the Soccer Rebellion, great five-on-five streetball tournament, very and one mixtapey. Definitely in my vibe zone, had a great time. And in Crosstown at Keyworth Stadium was uh, the culmination of a week's tournament in the Unified Cup, a uh, special Olympics uh event and we have Tim Heilman, president and CEO of the Special Olympics in Michigan as one of our segments on the program. We also on Sunday another fun event. It was Oakland County FC's third annual Tim Ponson Memorial Supporters versus Trust Game. One of my favorite things I've ever done as a uh, local soccer uh, fan. Uh, we play uh, staff like the interns and ownership and uh, staff members and whatnot versus the supporters. And this week I was for the first time on the winning side. Supporters won out in a really, really fun match on Sunday evening. This week, our other segment, I think we're probably going to kick off our segments with this man. He brings the return to the LaRouge report, uh, local player, and just about a year out from a shocking sports center with a bicycle kick, we have a local native and one of the stars of Detroit City FC on the program, Mr. Connor Rutz. So we got a great two-parter, a lot of fun as we review the weekend that was and we move into the weekend ahead here on the Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Welcome back here on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Very excited to have the next guest on the line uh, debut to the Michigan Soccer Central podcast, one of the local members and key figures for Detroit City FC. Please welcome to the program, Mr. Connor Rutz. Thank you for joining us here. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be on. Yeah, 25-year-old uh, uh, attacking midfielder from Commerce Township, you made 21 appearances, scoring two goals and an assist so far here in the USL Championship. You've been on the team, what, now three years? Yes, this is my third season with Detroit. And did you know that we're only a couple weeks shy of your one-year anniversary of the bicycle kick goal, the unbelievable bicycle kick goal? No, I didn't think about that. Oh, Yeah, yeah uh, if the uh, the YouTube upload date is correct, that was on November 11th last year, just in a few weeks' time. Uh, does what? What would you have thought of uh, how far the team's come uh, since since that one hit the back of the net? Would you have believed it? Um, probably not. Yeah, I mean, as a club, as a team, we've came so far um, in this past year. There's been a lot of changes. And now we're in a completely different spot than we were last year. So, no, I don't think I would believe that. <laughs> different league, whole new uh, competition. But uh, that was a moment to savor. I bet uh, uh, you might get asked about that in the uh, coming weeks. But um, kind of in the here and now, 
um, you are one of the local players and um, maybe uh, in the quotation of the NISA All-Stars, a carryover from the previous league coming in. Did that uh, have any bearing on you at all, uh, that, that nickname, or was that more of just an online thing? Um, no, I heard about it. I love it. I've got a little pin on my backpack that says NISA All-Stars. I love it. I always uh, make fun of Antoine. I was like, you wish you were a Nice All-Star. He, he gives some banter back, so it's funny. We like it. That's awesome to hear. A pin, a pin and everything. That's that's super fun. So how has uh, the, the last few weeks have gone? It's been a little bit of a drier patch for the results this, uh, since, like, since June, July. Um, it's been a little tricky, including uh, you went to uh, one of the top teams on the road this past weekend and just a, a narrow defeat, 1-0 to the Tampa Bay Rowdies. Kind of explain what happened in, in that game. Yeah, I mean, we always knew it was going to be a tough game. Um, we we went in to win the game. Um, Tampa's very good at controlling the pace of the game, especially in uh, – that humidity and that heat, they know they can get us moving, get us running around. So I think we had, we thought we had an opportunity on the counterattack to, to maybe threaten in behind, get some goals. But um, they really wore us down. They played a good game. Um, we we did have a couple chances. We didn't take them. They had a lot more. But um, I think we know what to do next time. Um, I don't think there's a team, especially. I mean, Tampa's one of the best, and playing there is always going to be difficult. But I don't think they rolled us over or anything. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think we can beat them. Yeah. Uh, so that game, just uh, first in a, a kind of a, a busy a schedule coming up here. Uh, you return home after being gone for a couple weeks, returning to uh, familiar surroundings in uh, Hamtramck. As this Saturday, you'll be welcoming uh, Oakland Roots, and then away uh, at midweek, away in Birmingham, to face the Legion, and then uh, again on the twentieth, you face another top team in Louisville. So we were kind of talking about the the Nice All Stars, and then you were saying that you know you guys just played Tampa Bay Rowdies, and you feel like you were right there in the mix. How has uh, Coach Trevor James keeping uh, everything fresh and keeping you guys? looking ahead here down this tough stretch at the, the final dozen games or so of the season? Um, yeah, I mean, we're really stressing importance on this this last stretch. Uh, Trevor mentions uh, we'll be all judged on how we finish the season, not how we started it. So this patch of games is going to be very tough. But like I said, with the way that we play, we, we go into games to try to win. We don't feel like any team is that much better than us or – to the point where we're not going to get a result. We're going to go into every game wanting to win, trying to get a result. So next couple of games are going to be very tough, but um, I think we can pull off some results, and that's what we're going to hope to do. Last time uh, you were at home and LaRouge was at home was uh, July uh, 22nd or 23rd, rather, that uh, 2-2 draw against New Mexico United against an absolutely packed uh, backdrop and stadium there in Hamtramck. Um, it looks like uh, Saturday's game has already has some some sections sold out, so uh, some familiar uh, home soil. And Oakland, while have uh, some NISA roots of their own and have um, a pretty good 
presence in like the lower leagues, they're not having the best uh, season so far, are they? Um, I haven't haven't paid too much attention to to how they're doing, but yeah, it's gonna be familiar. I mean, we we played them at Keyworth what two years ago in the Nisa final in the indoor bubble. So yeah, it's gonna be familiar, definitely. Yeah, they're currently sitting in tenth place in uh, USL Championships uh, Western Conference. So uh, definitely a name with a reputation. Yeah, visiting back where there's been so many first time opponents like this past weekend playing the the Rowdies, but uh, playing against a foe that's been faced before in Oakland. Um, how are you looking forward to returning home, and what are you expecting to uh, see on Saturday at Keyworth? I mean, man, so far this season, the fans have been killing it. We've been selling out stadium left and right. The atmosphere has been great. You know, I'm on the field, and some of the players are just like, wow, this is this is an awesome lower league American, like, atmosphere. Like, you can't, you don't, you don't find this a lot. And other players are even saying it on the field. So it's, it's awesome, like, awesome to call it home. Um, so, yeah, I'm looking forward to being back, looking forward to, Hopefully, maybe another sold-out crowd. And, yeah, we definitely definitely play better when we got everyone in the Northern Guard behind us. When you hear comments like that about the atmosphere from opposing players, what stage of the game is that uh, typically to hear that sort of comment from? <laughs> Whenever. Ball goes out for a goal kick or something, you're standing next to someone. If they're friendly enough to talk to you, they'll just be like, wow, this is cool. And then I'm just like, yep. Completely agree with you. <laughs> Did uh, like I said at the top, and of course you are uh, from the Metro Detroit area. One of the local pieces to the uh, the club's uh, playing puzzle. Um, so growing up here, would you ever have imagined that there would be a team with this much uh, interest and this much uh, uh, energy and power behind it? Um. No, probably no, definitely not on this scale. Um, I mean, I grew up. The only thing that I really had to go to to games was the Detroit Ignition. If you remember them, um, I remember you used to go to a bunch of those games, stay after for autographs. Uh, they used to come like for uh, assemblies in my elementary school. So that's the only really professional soccer environment that I could go watch games, but. Yeah, You'll have to refresh listeners' memories on what uh, the Ignition was. Uh, the Detroit Ignition was a, a indoor team, like a boarded indoor team. I think they played out in Plymouth. Um, yeah, I think like uh, Christian Pulisic's dad was on the coaching staff. Um, yeah, it was. They were always a fun, fun time when I was young. Ah, uh, yes, they played at uh, Compuware, now the hockey arena, right? Yes. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's all coming together. Yes, Mark Pulisic. Uh, I think was a player manager and then a manager uh, at one point over there. That's cool. And then would you, okay. So you said you stayed after get autographs and all that, but would you, uh, I mean, what do you feel like now being one of the guys that signs autographs for kids after your games? Yeah. I mean, I love it. Um, Oh, a lot. I, so I coach kind of on the, on the side after practices. Sometimes I, I have a couple teams I coach. Uh, I coach in the youth game, so to see these, even these kids go to the game and then they want my autograph, I'm like, I'm your coach. Why, why do you want my autograph? You can get it whenever. 
but yeah, I love I love seeing all the kids come up to you. It's 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 a good feeling. And being one of the the local guys, and there's plenty of players coming from all sorts of uh, uh, corners of uh, the the country, and a little bit internationally now too. Do you feel like uh, some uh, sense to be like a, a local Detroit ambassador to these guys? <laughs> um, yeah, maybe maybe I can give them like the the hope that like hey, now we have a, a pathway for for Michigan to, to grow up and then play for a pro team right in your backyard. Never, I never even thought that was possible. And then as soon as my time came and I finished college, boom, there was a professional team in Detroit and then I joined and now we've kept growing, kept growing. And now we're in the USL championship and I'm playing professional soccer in my backyard. It's kind of unbelievable. So yeah, I think that's a great opportunity for kids to try to develop and strive to, to get to the professional level here in Michigan. Yeah. Unbelievable seems to be a word that follows this storyline. Uh, like you said, uh, from Commerce Township, I think you went to Wall Lake North. You went, played at Schoolcraft and then Saginaw Valley. What was the journey like? I mean, uh, when you were playing at, at uh, Schoolcraft, like how were you, I'm, I'm interested in the process from a player being able to like go, that pathway how were you contacted to get to to how were you able to make the jump to Saginaw and then how was that process of going from finishing up at Saginaw and then how did you I guess what's your pathway to Detroit City from uh, junior college yeah so um I was at Schoolcraft for two years uh I really enjoyed it there they actually had a, a very good soccer program very good coach a lot of talented players um I mean I was 18 years old playing junior college and in a junior college level when you're playing at a good team you're playing with a lot of older guys a lot of internationals so that was something new to me uh, I think I I learned a lot through playing with older guys experienced guys players that played for their national teams even um, we had a very good team um, and I think I had two very good seasons there um, and so I was looked at by a couple colleges uh Saginaw ended up making the most sense to me. I, I knew the coach at the time. It was Andy Wagstab. I knew him previously. Um, knew a couple other players, such as Roddy Green, that were there. Um, so, yeah, and then I, I went over to uh, Saginaw. Um, I really found my place there. I think I had two very good seasons of scoring. Um, I think I was – all-American honorable mention my first season there and then I did get all-American my uh, second season and then I got attacking player of the year in the GLIAC which is the conference that Saginaw's in um, so that helped me so I, I was coming out of college in good form I always knew I wanted to try to play pro um, I had Louis Barrow as a head coach my second year at Saginaw, and he helped me a lot. Um, he was helping me find trials. Uh, I actually went on trial with three USL championship teams. Um, some worked out more than the others, but I ended up not signing a contract with any of them. And then uh, while I was on trial with these teams, uh, I was in contact with Trevor um about Detroit and I was like hey like if nothing works out I would like to come to uh come come back to Detroit and train with you guys 
came back to Detroit. Me and Trevor got on really well. I think within like a week of training with them, they they signed me. And that was like only a week before the first ever NISA game that Detroit played in in L.A. So I was straight into the program, flew out to L.A., started in that game. And, uh, yeah, that's how my, my journey with Detroit began. That's amazing. Uh, so that that was that short-lived NISA season that only was like two, three games, right? <laughs> yeah, it was only one game. So played played my one first professional game, and then we was off from COVID for like six months. I thought thought maybe it was over then. But now looking back at it, like if I didn't sign with Detroit then and then I go into COVID six months off, who knows what would happen if I would have even ever found my first contract. Like I'm I'm so blessed that I was able to sign that contract right at that time, right before everything kind of happened. Otherwise, who knows? Uh, what what a, uh, a slide indoors moment for you there. You got that one game in. Yeah, you, you got just, I guess, in the door, so to speak, right before the, the world turned on its head. And uh, the last three years uh, since then have been uh, strength to strength. Um, what has been uh, one of the things this year? Uh, you guys had great success uh, in, in NISA. And he won that league and won a, a series of accolades and now a whole nother challenge. Uh, you guys had uh, a, like a Cinderella run uh, beating Columbus in the Open Cup and definitely, uh, uh, like we referenced at the beginning, made, definitely made a name for the club within this new level uh, in the USL Championship. I guess, can you uh, pick out some words of or maybe some some points of things that you've learned uh, within this current season? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we – Trevor has always uh, put together a good team, even the team that we had last year in NISA, um, full of quality players that could play at the next level. And so when it was time to move up to the championship, uh, he picked the right pieces. Uh, he – he believed in us. He, he knew we were good enough to, to, to challenge at the next level. Um, and yeah, and then we all, we all really wanted this chance. We all thought we deserved it. We all have been fighting hard for this. And so, yeah, for, for me, it's just been about kind of putting my head down, working, working really hard this first year, trying to, trying to fit in, in the league. Uh, but now I feel like I've, I've fit in, I've shown I can play, and now it's about uh, stepping it up even more throughout the next part of the season. Yeah, it's been uh, quite a season. Uh, uh, the team has definitely gone far more mainstream than many ever would have thought of, and especially uh, lots of local news and all sorts of uh, parts of different pillars of the community, like outside of like uh, the lower league soccer bubbles, definitely like. Uh, picked their head up and paid attention to uh, this club and this sport here uh, at a local level. Um, well, I guess what uh, what what uh, next do you want uh, to see from from soccer in the area in general, as far as uh, acceptance of of soccer? And I guess what's the next domino? Do you think for uh, the club and the sport in the in the region? Uh, I think for for Michigan. I think we're 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 on the right path for sure. I think just keep developing 
at the low youth, youth, youth soccer. Um, I mean, that's what I, that's what I do as a little side thing. Um, I'm coaching youth soccer. I love it. I love trying to develop these kids, try to give them the opportunity that, that I had, uh, growing up. Uh, I had some really good coaches growing up that helped me a lot. So I kind of just want to pass that forward. Um, and yeah, with, with Detroit city FC being at the top of the food chain of Michigan soccer, I think you can do no wrong. Detroit's always going to progress in the right direction. And if everyone else follows their, their footprints, uh, will be, will be in good hands. I'm also curious to ask about, um, with uh, the like the development of players, you were saying, what do you think of uh, the player like your time in USL two in between your your summers uh, in collegiately? Uh, how how do you think that helps? I know there's got to be there's like a balance of, you know, it's extra time in a competitive environment, but it takes you away from your team. Like how do you like how, now that you're past it? How do you like or what what comments can you say pro or con? to like the summer ball league setup. Yes. I mean, summer ball was, was good. I was in a pretty good environment at Cincinnati Dutch lions. Uh, they kept it very professional, uh, showed you kind of a new standard. It's very different than college ball. Um, so yeah, it's, it kind of got me ready for the professional standard, how to act in a professional environment. And yeah, like you get, you get players from all over. So you kind of get a, some a sense of awareness like I came in as like a d2 d2 player a small Saginaw school and I'm playing with all these top d1 schools Kentucky Duke all these players so like kind of understand then where you are at a level like you you get put on the same team as these players who are at a very high much higher program and then you're like okay well I can play with these guys I'm not, I'm not good it doesn't really matter what division you went to college in or what team you are in like in summer ball it doesn't matter about any of that you get put on a team and you play and I think I learned a lot about my own level I think I was found out I I was better than I was so that kind of motivated me to push on a little bit and keep trying to get that first professional contract that's awesome. So you definitely think that the, the, the summer ball season helped you progress. And and is it, you said you found the level, is that because it was almost like uh, the level was higher and you, you could match it or just you learned about like kind of where the competition level was because people were coming from different places. Yeah. I mean, like if you go to a small D2 school, like I was at, um, you think about these top programs like Duke and stuff. And then you're like, Oh, wow. Okay. They're probably, bit bit ahead of us um but then when you get on the field and you actually play with them you're on the same field as them maybe playing with better players makes you better or the level just really isn't that much different or um or i was just playing at a at a high level at a smaller school i mean saginaw had very good players very good coaching staff so it prepped me well i don't necessarily believe in playing at these biggest programs is the best or is the only pathway. I think these D2 players and NAIA players, there's some, there's some gems in there and then they pop out and really can show themselves in summer soccer. Yeah, that's a, an excellent point. And uh, 
with the way uh, cer certain competitions recently have kind of exposed the where the certain diamonds are and uh, league affiliations and program reputation don't necessarily uh, mean uh, a, a lineup of like the, the reputations don't always equal uh, abilities, which um, was seen quite a bit during like the, the spring and the, the, the early open cup rounds with a number of teams really showing that they're competitive and showing that the, the levels between championship NISA and, and league one. And in some of the, uh, obviously some MLS teams falling too. that the, the, there's some diamonds out there and the general levels are kind of close. Yeah. I mean, I mean, at this stage, USL championship, MLS, um, anyone that's on the field is, is going to be a very good soccer player. Um, and if, if you put two teams on Keyworth and you're fighting to win a one-game knockout, anything can happen. With Keyworth backing you, with the passion that we had going into that game, the motivation we had going into that game, with nothing to really lose, anything can happen. And uh, we saw that, and we had a great night against Columbus. Yeah, that's definitely one for for, for the memory banks, uh, an all time moment, and you know one of many across divisions. Uh, um, not the only upset uh, at all either, but uh, kind of back to the here and now and Detroit City FC centric. You're talking about uh, some difficulty and uh, having actually uh, Keyworth at your back. They will be at your back, no doubt, once again on Saturday. When you take on uh, Oakland Roots, uh, it's another big crowd, no doubt, going to be uh, gathered for you guys at Hamtramck. Um, with obviously the 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 crunch time coming at the end of the season, these next few weeks you got a home Saturday away uh, midweek, and then another one at home. So a big three game week for you. Uh, how do you manage that, and what do you? How many points are you looking to get out of uh, this three game run? Um, well, you can only take it one game at a time. Uh, not really thinking too much about uh, any game past Saturday, just more about how to manage our our fitness levels, our, our legs, knowing we're going into a tough stretch of games. But uh, yeah, all focus is on uh, three points on Saturday. Yeah, one game at a time. So how many training sessions do you get? Like, so home game on Saturday. And then how many times would you guys be able to hit the pitch again before you travel on Wednesday? Um, well, we'll we'll be on the field uh, every day, Monday, Tuesday, before. But uh, it'll be light. We'll be managed. We have a sports scientist, uh, Sam, part of our coaching staff, who does very good at managing our our legs. You know, we have a thin squad, not not too much depth, so it's really important not to go crazy and in training when, when you got this many games. So managing our legs so we can give everything we have uh, during the games is very important. Well, Connor Rutz, uh, one of our local hometown players starring on Detroit City FC, thank you so much for uh, coming on Michigan Soccer Central Podcast and all the best uh, for you and the team on Saturday. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Uh, looking forward to seeing you soon.
Welcome back, listeners. Very excited for our next segment here on this week's show. Amongst the many uh, amazing soccer events through the weekend, we have the CEO and president of the Special Olympics of Michigan to talk about the uh, Unified Cup that just went down throughout the week and had its finals climax in Hamtramck at Keyworth Stadium. Thank you for joining the show, Mr. Tim Heilman. Hey, thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. And so kind of tell us, uh, there was a a whole um, week's worth of events that all uh, came together for the finals at Keyworth. Um, Tell us about how uh, the weekend and the whole event went. Yeah, so so, um, the Unified Cup was was a few years in the making with the culmination of the finals um, uh, just just a few days ago at Keyworth Stadium, home of the DCFC. Um, The the, uh, day is really a celebration. Started off with a celebrity match um, where we had former U.S. men's national player Demarcus Beasley, um, playing Detroit Red Wings soccer captain Dylan Larkin and just many other other um, professional um, retired or media celebrities on the pitch with Special Olympics athletes playing a unified game of soccer. Um, then it was followed up by the finals, which was very highly anticipated because we had the U.S. Uh, women's team uh, facing uh, the women's Guatemala team and, and Guatemala was undefeated throughout the week and hadn't been scored on, but the U.S. women's team went up early, won nothing, but ended up um, running out of a little steam, and Team Guatemala won the Women's Unified Cup 5-1. to one. And then the men's finals match was paired up between two other excellent teams of Team Jamaica and Team Paraguay, and Team Jamaica won the Unified Cup 2 to nothing. So it was a great, great culmination of really an incredible week of, of, of football, of soccer, um, and, and we were honored that Detroit was able to host the most inclusive sporting event in the world. Yeah, it sounds like an incredible event throughout the week and in a fantastic day of finals and in the celebrity game as well. Could you explain to the listeners who are unfamiliar what truly uh, the unified teams are all about and how they're put together? Absolutely. So unified um, for Special Olympics means that the teams are comprised of individuals with intellectual disabilities and without disabilities. And so um, on uh, the soccer pitch at one time, there'll always be a little higher number of of Special Olympics athletes and partners. So for the men who play 11 v 11 soccer, there's always six Special Olympics athletes on the the team or on the, the pitch playing along with five unified partners, which are individuals without disabilities. And then on the women's side, um, they played 7v7. There were were always four Special Olympics athletes and three unified partners. And the concept of unified sports is one that if individuals with and without intellectual disabilities are are practicing together, they're competing together, those relationships, those friendships formed on, on the field or on the pitch translate off the pitch individuals then are are really you know it's true true friendships being invited to the birthday parties being invited to um you know the school dances and and throughout and so the goal is with all unified sports it's it's a piece of of school programming that that's expanded throughout the world and really our goal is to, to use the great game of soccer as well as other sports and unified to create a more inclusive world that's a beautiful thing. Uh, bridge building, relationship building with uh, the beautiful game and the world's uh, most popular game is a fantastic thing. Out of curiosity, with the way the teams are built up, 
Um, do they play year round or do these teams just come together for this week? So, so for the, the unified cup it is the most competitive or highest level, we would say of, of competition of all special Olympics. Um, one of the great things is if you were at any of the matches, um, throughout the week and even the finals, um, you, you wouldn't be able to know who is the athlete with an intellectual disability and who is the partner. That's one of the great things about, um, this program and these teams, it really is breaking down barriers, um, you know, opening individuals' hearts and minds to see that individuals with intellectual disabilities are able to accomplish anything, um, uh, you know, in, in this world and, and whether that be on or off the field. And so the teams competing in Unified Cup, many of them do train year round. Um, a lot of the teams actually have a partnership or affiliation with their, their home country's national club. For Team USA, um, Special Olympics has a partnership with the, the MLS. And so uh, many of the MLS programs have a year-round training program for these unified um, teams playing. And so, for example, the, the United States, um, our U.S. women's team, had unified um, uh, athletes and unified partners from, from six MLS clubs. Um, and I believe the same was, was said for the men's club as well. So these teams do play together, they train together, and you can tell that they they absolutely love each other. And again, that, that relationship is one of the greatest things about Special Olympics. And the, the Unified Cup, is it a, a standalone thing? Is this the first time it's happened in Michigan? What's the history of uh, the, the Unified Cup uh, historically? Sure. So we were honored to host the first standalone Unified Cup. So four years ago, the first ever um, Unified Cup was held in conjunction with the Special Olympics uh, 50th anniversary, and that event was held in Chicago. However, um, for, for the Unified Cup here in Detroit, it was the first ever standalone cup. A, a special trophy and cup was designed by a Special Olympics athlete, and, and, and the teams uh, you know, receiving that, it was just, just incredible to watch their faces. It, it is modeled off of the FIFA World Cup, and so, you know, Four months before the cup, there was a draw ceremony for which teams played which, um, you know, and then we had the the pool play and then moving on to semifinals, finals. And so uh, Detroit was the first one to ever have this specific unified cup. And, and we know um, in talking with Special Mix International, there is a lot of interest um, for for another country, um, other other cities to host the, the next unified cup, which will be happening in another four years. Oh, so uh, it's turning into a four uh, well, a quadrennial uh, reoccurring event. So, uh, what an honor for it to be right here in the Great Lakes State. And um, you were the uh, president and CEO of Special Olympics Michigan. Uh, were you someone? Did you like bid for that, or was it your idea? Like, how did uh, this uh, the standalone all come about, and how did it uh, land here, uh, right here in our backyards? Yeah, so so we actually put in a bid, um, a competitive bid process three years ago, and so you know multiple countries um, bidding on on the event and the cup, very much like like any any Special Olympics, you know, international event, USA Games, uh, any Olympic event. So so teams, host countries, host cities put on an event. Um, I attended the first uh, ever Unified Cup that I mentioned. Um, that, that happened in, in Chicago, and I brought my family down. Um, uh, I have three children who all love the game of, of soccer, all of them playing um, right now. 
and seeing the the joy in their faces and and just you know their eyes open to to again what individuals with and without intellectual disabilities can do on the sports field what was tremendous um, and, and a great great learning opportunity for an experience for everyone there and so so we left um, Chicago and our team talked for a long time about how great would it be to have it in the city of Detroit we know Michigan has has an incredible um, soccer soccer fan base um, and an incredible enthusiasm and so we put in the bid um, multiple countries um, were, were interested um, and, and, and then obviously the the COVID-19 pandemic happened but we were able to to you know, main true and, and focus through the entire entire bid process. And, and we were really honored to, to receive the winning bid and to be able to host it. And, and again, the state of Michigan and city of Detroit did not disappoint at all. So we're recording the Monday following the event, uh, three years in the works. So uh, what was your biggest takeaway? Did it uh, live up to the, the three years of bidding? It looked like uh, across social media, it looked like uh, uh, the the Hamtramck and the Keyworth and the NGS uh, supporters and soccer uh, appreciators uh, didn't disappoint. No, they did not. It was wonderful. And, and for those athletes to be able to run on the field and, and experience that and, and experience that the whole week, um, all the women's preliminary matches were at the corner ballpark um, in our partnership with Detroit pal, the men's matches were at Schoolcraft college. And, and again, um, you know, the, the venues were great par- partners um, and sponsors. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to say again, with three years of planning, um, you know, the Special Olympics Michigan staff really poured their entire heart and soul into the event for the last three years, not only focusing on the Unified Cup, but some of our own um, programs. And, and we actually have our Special Olympics Michigan State uh, soccer event happening in just a few few weeks later on uh, Saturday, August 27th. So, so a lot of different soccer events happening with Special Olympics Michigan, but the team really, really poured their heart and soul into it. And it was absolutely worth it. Um, you know, you mentioned what are some of the takeaways and, and one of the great things is um, for so many of the, the women's teams that came and played, a lot of them maybe don't have as much access to sports Um and so this was a great catalyst for 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 them and, and, and increasing you know sports in, in uh, different countries where where again maybe women aren't always um, you know featured or recruited and the same thing on the men's side and I'd say another takeaway is just just the sportsmanship. There's nothing like attending a Special Olympics event. Um, it was fierce competition. Um, you know things would get a little chippy sometimes on the pitch. You know we definitely saw some yellow cards. But as soon as those matches were over, those teams came together and high-fived or gave hugs. Or if a player gets knocked down, you're going to get picked up. And that's what true sports is all about. Um, you know, it is playing hard, but then also the teamwork, the camaraderie, and the sportsmanship. And, and that's one of the things that, that was just so amazing throughout the week. And if anyone, um, you know, had the opportunity to, to attend the matches, I would consistently hear, boy, this is, this is the best, best sports that I've seen. That's amazing. And it's happening right here in uh, in Michigan. And it's great to see the events like this and a couple others uh, across town that shows that uh, what we all know here that uh, Detroit and Michigan at large is becoming a, a soccer cultural hub. And this is a great example of it with uh, not only uh, winning the bid, but also like executing and having uh, you know a great event all the way through the week. And then uh, ultimately a final at the one of uh, 
the uh, foremost soccer venues in the country right here in uh, Southeast Michigan. Absolutely. I mean, and, and the Northern Guard, they have the smoke bombs, they have the drums, they have the chants. And one of the great things about the finals, too, is that all of the teams, the countries, they were there to cheer on. Um, one of the other components of, of with the Unified Cup is we hosted in, in kind of partnership is the Unified Champion City School Conference, the first of its kind um, in, in conjunction with Unified Sports. And so we had, again, um, individuals, athletes, educators from 31 metro um, cities around the country that came to the conference and they were at the finals and cheering loud. And so, again, um, experience that I'll, I'll certainly never forget in my life. Um, and again, was just, just really, really uh, thankful for, for all the fans that came out. Uh, Northern Guard, the, the partnership with Detroit City Football Club, they've been wonderful. And also all of the sponsors, um, you know, putting on on world-class international events uh, don't happen without a lot of lot of great support. I, I mentioned my Special Olympics Michigan team. There are a lot of great sponsors who stepped up to the plate to, to help not only with volunteers, but financially to make sure that, that Special Olympics Michigan and the city of Detroit was able to host this world-class event. Fantastic. That's awesome that it, it all came together and uh, the years of planning to, to do an international event right here in Detroit is fantastic. And you mentioned uh, this was the international stage where you said the uh, there's an event for Michigan based teams at the end of August. There is. So so outside of this uh, great international event, a lot of our Special Olympics Michigan teams are, are practicing right now and playing. And we actually part of the Unified Cup uh, on Friday evening. We had a, a small Special Olympics Michigan tournament. One of our our goals from this event is, is to increase participation and awareness um, and to grow the game of soccer right here um, in Michigan for our Special Olympics athletes, um, as well as, as increasing unified teams. And so on Saturday, August 27th in Grand Rapids, Michigan, at our Unified Sports and Inclusion Center, we're going to be hosting the Special Olympics Michigan soccer final. So we're really excited about that, going from, from one large soccer event to another um, and, and we're excited about that and again our goal is really to increase awareness and support for this wonderful game um, and, and I'll add on that is that um, now that we've we've increased awareness now that even more individuals and special events want to play this great game we're always looking for coaches we want to make sure that that no athletes are left on the sidelines and um, there's nothing like coaching special olympics it's a life-changing experience so um, we could always use more volunteer coaches to, to join in this great inclusion movement. And if someone was curious to participate, what's the most straightforward way for someone to get involved as a, a coach or volunteer? Yeah, I appreciate that. So individuals can, can visit right at our website, which is somi.org. So somi.org. And, and right at the top, there is a way in a tab that says contact us or get involved. And so um, and even my contact information is right on the website. And someone hears this and say, "Hey, I, I want to help coach, and I want to help grow this game of soccer for individuals um, who maybe never played before, or individuals that want to play at the highest level." There's something for everyone at, at Special Olympics, um, and especially with the competition that we saw this this week in Detroit. Um, but we also have individuals who are learning the game from skills to, to beginners and practicing. So something for everyone. Um, and you can visit our, our website at somi.org to get more involved. You heard it from grassroots all the way till uh, world class. There's some way to get involved with Special Olympics and the Unified Cup. Well, 
Tim Heileman, President and CEO of Special Olympics Michigan. Thank you for reviewing uh, this great event that's happened uh, this past week, the Unified Cup. Thank you so much for reviewing that and uh, letting everyone know how to get involved in uh, Special Olympics and Special Olympics Michigan, as well as uh, these unified sporting events moving forward. Thank you so much for joining us here on Michigan Soccer Central. Great. Thank you so much, Robert. And I'll throw one more plug in on uh, Saturday, August 13th at 3 p.m. on ESPN2. There's going to be an hour-long special that's all dedicated to the Unified Cup. So love to people. If you weren't able to, to join in person, feel free to check that out on ESPN2 on August 13th at 3 p.m. Thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Looking Excellent. forward to seeing that. Thank you. It's going to be tremendous. All right. Thank you so much, listener, for listening to this week's edition of Michigan Soccer Central Podcast. Thank you to my guest, uh, President and CEO of Special Olympics Michigan, Tim Heilman, as well as DCFC's reigning Black Arrow, uh, Mr. Connor Rutz. And thank you to all the guests that have come onto the program to make it what it is. Thank you to Jenny Hajnaki for editing the program as always. And thank you to the Michigan Soccer Central core team. Without y'all, this show doesn't go either. So busy week ahead. Uh, a lot of high schools uh, getting ready for lots of athletics. And the soccer season in high school is coming up before you know it. And lots of professional soccer to take in as well. So until next time, everybody, enjoy your soccer. <laughs>